Hi, everyone. This is Dave. And this is Jen. Welcome to another episode of the podcast called Cloth Diapers Made Easy. We invented the Spray Pal Splatter Shield to make the hardest part of using cloth diapers easier for everyone. And now we've started this podcast to bring you tips, tricks, and fun interviews to help you on your cloth diapering journey. So sit back, relax, put your earbuds in, and enjoy this episode of Cloth Diapers Made Easy. And don't forget, you can join our Facebook group, The Cloth Diaper Experiment, to ask us specific questions you'd like to hear about on the next episode of Cloth Diapers Made Easy. And also, you can sign up for our emails using the handy link in our show notes for a free printable checklist of everything you'll need to get started with cloth diapers, plus an exclusive coupon code that you can use on our website to buy all the things you'll need at spray-pal.com. And now, on to the show. This is Jen. And this is Dave. And we are super excited to share our very first interview of 2020. That's right. So we're going to be interviewing... Guy Shanshi from Bambino Mio. Yep. And he's a friend of ours from way back in the ABC Kids Expo days. Back in Vegas, right? Yeah. We used to go to Vegas back when we lived in Cali and it wasn't such a journey to get over there. Um we used to do the ABC Kids Expo, and we would kind of get together with all the cloth diaper brands and go to dinner and get to know how things were going in their various regions. And um, Guy is actually from the UK, mm-hmm. so it was always interesting to hear about the cloth nappy situation in Europe. And so we did an interview with him to talk a little bit about his advocacy, um, what cloth nappies are doing in Europe right now and across the world, and that's right. Maybe some questions about how they're doing here or what their their interpretation of yeah. how they're doing in the U.S. A little bit of a difference going on with the nappies versus the diapers here in the U.S. The reusable nappies, right? The reusable the nappies. cloth diapers. Yeah. yeah. So please enjoy this first interview of 2020 with Bambino Mio owner and founder Guy Shanchi. Okay, so we are here with Guy Shanshi from Bambino Mio. We're really excited to have you, Guy. Thanks for joining us. And we wanted to start by just getting a little background. Um, So when and how did you get the idea to start Bambino Mio? So sort of cloth diapers in general, um, it goes back, I'm, I'm sort of disturbed to say nearly 30 years. Um, I recently graduated, um, and Joe, who we're now married, we worked at the time, had been, was working in retail. Um, I had started working in, in accountancy, which I had decided, well, I think the accountancy profession had decided wasn't really for me, and um, Joe was made redundant from her job, and I'd always wanted to run my own business. So we, we traveled, and we decided that um, we'd sort of travel. We had no sort of commitments at that time. We were still very young, and we, we traveled through Asia and Australia. Um, and essentially, I was looking for, I was hoping uh, to find a business idea. Um, and, and it all happened at, um, bizarrely, at, uh, at the Taj Mahal in India. Um, we were t- speaking to, uh, we were there as tourists, but got speaking to a guy from, from New York who, who talked about the success of diaper laundry services in the 1980s um, 
in the States. And um, and it got an idea going in our heads. And, and funny enough, a, a week or two later, we were up in Nepal and we were talking to some Canadians, I think from Montreal, who talked about the same about diaper laundry services in Canada. Um, we got to Australia on our travels and um, it was the 1991, this was 1991, there was a recession on and um, the job I found was to cut grass for, for Sydney Council. And I saw some diaper laundry service um, vans going around Sydney. And, and, it's, and it continued to cement this idea. When we got to New Zealand, we visited somebody who started one. And, and we came back to, to the UK in, um, in, in the middle of 1992. And we were one of the first, first people to set up um, diaper laundry services in the, in the UK. Um, and there were a few growing at that time. And there, there was a bit of a... Um, the, the, they probably got to about 20 or 30 in the UK, and we ran a diaper laundry service for about um, three or four years. Incredibly hard work. Um, was always going to be difficult to scale, to get on any big scale, because as we all know, uh, cloth diapers is not just about um, the environment, it's about money saving as well, and people are paying around about the same. It was a difficult concept. And actually, it was the mid-1990s. Everybody was using disposable nappies. And, and when we said we were, um, we were setting up a, a, a diaper laundry service, um, people looked at us as if we were mad. Um, but what it did do, for all the negatives, what it did do is gave us fantastic experience of the products because with the diaper laundry service, you're going back visiting the, the customers every week, talking to them. You needed to make sure it worked and you worked with them and really understood the product you were, and the support and the information that you were, that you were giving people. So um, it was fantastic in terms of giving us a grounding in the industry, uh, but it was never going to be a scalable business and, and actually filling our ends of sort of getting more and more people to use um, to use washable diapers. So um, around about 97, 98, uh, we actually closed the diaper laundry service down and um, started selling direct to, to um, consumers. Uh, through small, It was pre-internet days, so it was small adverts in the back of um, the baby magazines, of which there were many in the UK at that time. Um, people would phone up for a brochure or write in for a brochure. We would send it out, um, and they'd send in an order and we'd sell them the product. Um, and it was, well, if nothing else, it was a much more straightforward business model, um, but also it, um, it, it seemed to be the way that, that we wanted to go. So as I say, we closed the, the, the diaper laundry service down um, and started selling direct, initially only direct to, um, to um, in, mail, in, in mail order, in uh, classified ads, in, in baby magazines. Um, but then after a year, we thought, well, let's try and work with some specialty stores. Um, and um, that's what we did. Um, we started, we put some in some basic packaging, uh, started working with, um, with some specialty stores. We then got a, a, an account with uh, Babies R Us in the UK. This was about 1999, 2000. Um, and 2002, 2002, we sort of, it continued to grow and there was clearly more interest in the product. We, we invested in supply chain. Um, we, we started looking for, for more manufacturers. Um, and all the time, the center of the business was all about brand and, and, and the look. I mean, the great thing about working in baby is it's a finite market. You know where everybody is that, that, that are pregnant and looking for, for, for baby products. And actually, it is then quite easy. I wouldn't say easy, but you can then put the information out there. And, you, and you're working in an environment where people are coming to the, 
to it fresh, where they really want to absorb all the information because you get a short period of time to to research all those products. So um, we were able to 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 establish ourselves quite quickly. 2002, we we decided to exhibit at the um, big international trade show in Germany, Kinderjürgen, uh, to see if we could we could actually take our product outside the UK. Um, because we wanted to remain very focused on um, on reusable diapers, we didn't necessarily want to stick the Bambino Mia brand onto, onto other baby products that weren't within change time. Um, and we had um, we had some interest. We appointed a distributor in Spain was the first country we started selling to outside the UK, and then. Um, and then we went back to the show a year later, having had some experience then of international business and got interest from about 40 countries. And um, I think we appointed 10 distributors then, mostly, mostly in, in Europe, um, and then um, continued to grow the business, the business from there. If I roll on to where, where we are now, um, like, as with any business, we've sort of, sort of had our ups and downs. Um, we had a difficult period, 2010, 2011. Um, that made us really reassess. So um, where we are now as a company is that, that we've, we're growing very fast. We've, we've turnovers doubled for us um, for the last couple of years. Um, we've gone from sort of, I suppose, five years ago when we were about um, 10 people. Um, uh, we're about 80 people now working in our office here in the UK, of which half of them are um, Half of them uh, work in marketing, uh, which we see as a real way of, of driving our business quite strongly. And in every, we, there's about 11 countries that we, we've sort of changed the model slightly. So 11 countries around the world, we work direct, where we're doing the marketing direct and we're doing the sales direct to retailers. And 40% um, of our staff are, are non-UK, so they come from the countries in which we are which we are selling. And I think. We did. We did realise that we've sort of got every European language spoken in our office as well, which is great. So um, we're continuing to grow very fast. Marketing's a very big focus for what we do, um, and we we're working across all sales channels. So we have we have 11 websites in the in those countries where we're working direct. Although you can now buy Bambino Mio products in any country in the world off our website um, and have it shipped to you. Um, we also um, we were available through Amazon, and we work with all the Amazons around the world. Uh, we work with specialty stores that are still a really important part, and, and tend to benefit from from what we're doing more in the mainstream. Um, we've, we're in supermarkets in um, UK, Europe, Australia, um, pharmacy chains, baby chains. So we're working on all the sort of distribution channels, and what we're quite proud of is we're seeing that growth in in all those areas, um, and meaning that that our products are accessible. If I go right back to the beginning when we started, we had a mission statement to make, we had a real belief in the product that we were doing and, and our mission statement was very much making uh, reusable diapers commercially acceptable worldwide. Um, and although we're not there, I know there's, there's a lot of work still to do, I think, um, I think we've made significant inroads in terms of, in terms of accessibility for people. Sounds like it. So I'm curious, since you have such a vast knowledge of the cloth diapering world in Europe, um, how does that seem to compare to the U.S.? Because I know Bambino Mio is available here as well, so you probably have a little bit of side-by-side -side comparison because you mentioned an uptick going on right now for your sales. And in the U.S., we're noticing kind of a retail downswing, and I'm just curious if you have any thoughts as to why that might be or why it's doing so well in the UK and in Europe right now. 
Well, I think the um, I think the US. The U.S. If I take that as two sort of separate questions, why are we doing? Why 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 are they doing so well? And it's not just it's not just Bambino Mio. I know as I talk to uh, I talk to our competitors and other and other companies in the um, in the in this space that um, that um, everybody is seeing sort of quite significant growth. I think I think it's environmental movement. I think it's um, it's it's that reaction to um, single-use plastics. Yeah. Um, I think um, people wanting to, it's the whole environmental movement and always, always we notice, whether it's about climate change, whether it's directly about single-use plastics, whether it's about waste, um, it does focus people's minds on, on their impact on the planet. Right. And I think that has, um, that's really important. I also think that probably in Europe and the UK especially, <coughs> we've hit a bit of a critical mass where so many people are starting to use um, our sort of products that everybody now knows somebody who um, who uses um, reusable diapers, and so it becomes, it be, especially with new mums, where they they look to their friends and people people that they know who also have babies uh, in terms of in terms of sort of good practice and guidance in terms of what products to buy. I think um, I think that's what we're seeing is that sort of snowball effect of more, once more and more people do it, then 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 it just encourages more people to do it. Um, I think um, in terms of all the elements we've got, I think there is good distribution because every every supermarket store, every grocery store in 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 the UK um, stocks um, stocks reusables as as in Germany and and. Probably in, in in Australia, where we're seeing sort of some of our biggest growth at the moment. Um, so I think it's lots of factors. I think it's lots of factors, and and actually, as companies grow, you can you can invest more in the marketing. You can invest more in the um, in telling the story and reaching reaching customers, which we're we're continually investing in that. As I say, half our staff work in marketing, so we're out there telling the story, whether it's through influencers or social media. Um, or, or email marketing. Um, so I think that's why it's happening in Europe. Why is it different in the US? It, it's a question that we ask ourselves a lot of the time because actually we follow a similar sort of strategy in the US that we follow elsewhere. But I do think the US market is very different. I mean, the, one of the things we always come up with, it is so vast. And so actually being able to reach the same percentage of people within the US is, is much more difficult than it is in Europe, where markets are markets are obviously um, are obviously smaller. Um, and it's also getting that I think it's getting that distribution right in terms of getting it across all um, all distribution channels, um, not just one or one or two. So it's it's the US market is we see it is it, is different. Um, um, in terms of the way it operates, in terms of in terms of its rate of growth, as you say, it does tend to be a bit up and down. In terms of sometimes it's it's quite fast, sometimes it can it can slow right down. Um, so I can't say that we've we've completely got to the bottom of of why it is. We, we as, as a brand, Bambina Mia, still see the US as as real opportunity. There's lots and lots of interest in our products. Um, we are growing in the US. Um, um, and we seem to be getting more publicity about our products, more people talking about our brands, which is absolutely great. But it is certainly, out of all the markets, out of the markets that we operate directly, and it's probably our most challenging. Okay, got it. Yeah, and, and I know you've done a lot of um, advocacy work 
maybe through your government politically, is there a way that worked well for you where you were talking to lawmakers and talking about policy that would help the environment? Because environmental issues should be a international universal like concern for people, but it is, it does seem to be more of a concern in smaller countries or, you know, where the population is more condensed, things like that. And we are last. I yeah, don't know. I think just the size of our country is just a slower impact on everybody's psyche. You're getting and everyone our, on board. With. Our, our political environment is not helping in that yeah, regard as well. Right. So if you have yeah. any advice on what kind of things worked with talking policy or advocacy <laughs> at a political level, that would be great to hear. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that always comes to, is thrown back at us as far as the, the U.S. is concerned in terms of lobbying and, 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 and talking to politicians, which I will talk about in a minute in terms of what we've done in Europe. But one of the points that's always made about the U.S. is you have so much space. So landfill and getting rid of uh, trash is not such an issue um, in the U.S. as it has been in, in certain other countries. I mean, some of the places where we have we have really strong support and we have some very good conversations on some of these small islands around the world where actually a lot of them are having to ship um, their trash off the island um, because they have no space at all. And it's completely the reverse in the US. Um, so landfill space and, 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 uh, and holes in the ground haven't been traditionally a real, a, a, such a problem or high on the agenda, whereas some countries around the world, it is a real issue because there is just nowhere to put it. You do have to always ship it away. Um, I think politically, as you say, I've chaired the, um, the NAPI Alliance, which is our trade organization, which I set up probably about 15 years ago, um, with a number of brands, um, representing a number of brands of, of reusable diapers in the UK. And we've always, we've always had fairly good response to that. Um, people have politicians, I've met with politicians, I've met with ministers, I've met with um, non-governmental organizations who have all, always understood the point we're making, but it is very, very difficult for politicians to talk about the diaper issue because um, it's very emotive. They don't, even however bad you say these products are, they don't want to be telling parents and, and new mums what they should and shouldn't be doing and what they're doing with their baby is bad for the planet because it's a, it, politically it's just not something that politicians want to do because all you're going to do is upset people. Um, and in actual fact, when we talk about it, we always talk about the fact that we're not, unlike a lot of the single-use plastic items, we're not advocating a ban. We're not telling people they shouldn't use them. We, when we talk to politicians, we're, we're always talking about education. We're always talking about encouraging uh, new parents to try reusable diapers to see the benefits, not just the environment benefits and the waste benefits, but also the health benefits and the cost benefits of, of, using, the, of, using, um, of using our products. Um, and I think with, with single-use plastics being really high on the agenda, we have had, in the last couple of years, um, we have had some really good good reactions, and 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 the, the whole campaign has moved forward. If I just give you a couple of examples, there was a bill, a law introduced into into the UK Parliament about six months ago called the um, Nappies Environment Bill, um, and this, it didn't make it into law, but it was raised and it got through its first read. They got through its first reading, and that was that was twofold. That was to stop. Um, 
disposable companies making environmental claims. Because as we know, there are, there are more and more disposable diaper brands out there who are claiming to be environmentally friendly. Um, but that, they claim that, but that could just be, but they claim it off the back of just making their, the plastic packaging out of recycled plastic. It doesn't get to the heart of the problem. And it's incredibly misleading for consumers. And um, I think it's the same in, in, in the US that actually people are paying a, a huge amount of money for these products, um, feeling that they're doing something better for the environment and are, are being very misled on it. So the first part of the bill was to make it illegal for for disposable companies to do that and that they needed to be on, honest or they needed to justify any environmental environmental claims. The other one was to um, to get local government um, to um, promote uh, reusables uh, more because actually in the UK uh, it's local government that's, a res that's responsible for, um, for waste collection. Um, and the actual cost, that if they can encourage, for every new person that uses uh, reusables, that saves them money on the disposal cost. Um, and actually there are certain local authorities, a lot in London, who give vouchers to parents, worth an equivalent of sort of 70, 80 US dollars, uh, to help them buy reusables. Um, <coughs> and most local governments that are doing this can actually show that the cost of the vouchers is actually less. Uh, to the less cost than the money that's being saved. Uh, so they're saving more of, of stuff that they're not having to get rid of. Um, and so one of the things that, that, that we advocate is, is a potential um, countrywide scheme um, for vouchers where um, everybody benefits. The, 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 government is, um, the government is reducing the amount of single-use use plastics um, and local authorities are saving money. Yeah. So we're we're continuing with that campaign. I mean, we um, the level that we have now got to, and we feel that the whole diaper thing is is included in environmental policy. Uh, ministers, it's been discussed in Parliament. Questions have been raised in Parliament about it. So um, we're hopeful that this is the move. I mean, our our main aim uh, from a political point of view is just to make sure that. Um, reusable diapers remain part of the conversation when governments talk about single-use plastics because they're, they're probably the biggest offender um, in the whole single-use plastic and they're a true single-use product. I mean, even, even your Starbucks coffee cup, you can reuse if you want to, but a diaper, once it's been used, you're never going to reuse. So um, they're a real single-use product. We know, I mean, I'm sure people listening to this podcast know the environmental um, Issues with disposables, the number of disposables that are that are thrown away, the cost, and the cost. One of the ironic things is, of course, that um, the companies that are making these products are making vast sums of money, but they're leaving it to the local taxpayer to pay for the cost of getting rid of them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was that's really interesting. Um, I, and here, a lot of people are hesitant to use cloth diapers not even just because of lack of education, but just because they think it's going to be so gross and it's going to be so messy. Or it seems like the biggest hesitant uh, reaction. I don't want to touch because What do you think okay, is the biggest deterrent from using cloth? Is it just lack of education or are people as squeamish as they are here? Yeah, I think we've done... Um We've done quite a bit of research in that, in this, and um, 
last year because you're right. If you the interesting thing I always find is if you talk to people who are using them, the majority are quite happy and it's just part of their daily routine and it, it's no big thing. Um, but actually, there's lots of uh, misconceptions about what potentially it would be like. So you've touched on some of them, the ones that we tend to um, that we tend to um, run into are um, that the parenting is going to be very difficult, uh, that they won't be easy to use. Um, that they're worried about the sort of routine and lifestyle, that it's going to be, mean lots more laundry, um, that it's not seen as mainstream, that they're, they're doing something very different. And a lot of parents, especially first baby, aren't really comfortable with that. Um, the commitment and the guilt. A lot of people feel that um, it's all or nothing. So a bit like when you give up smoking and you say, I'm never going to have a cigarette again. It's, I'm never going to use a... People think that they have to fall into that category of never using a a disposable diaper, whereas we very much encourage people just to try one and say, well, if you're only using one a day, the, the, the impact of that, both in terms of cost and in terms of environment, is still quite high. Um, I think um, some people are confused by the product choice. Um, there's lots of brands out there. Um, all of us are probably guilty of talking about products in a slightly different way, and I think I think people who understand it, people who are um, who, who really understand club diapers, understand all the terminology, understand what the different brands mean, um, understand what what um, the different types of, of reusable diapers offer people. But actually, if you're trying to attract the mainstream and attract more and more people to it, it can be incredibly confusing for people. Um, and then it's it's I suppose hygiene and uh, people worrying that it's not that it's not hygienic and um, and cost because as we all accept there's a there is an upfront cost for for our product which um, with disposables it's it's just a weekly cost so that's what we see as, as as the main barriers and what we we what we as a brand are working quite hard to to break down. Yeah, that's interesting. That's very similar to here. I was just curious, guy. Um, are sprayers a thing out there? as far as making it easier to get rid of, get the poop off before it goes into the laundry? No, I don't think, I mean, obviously, I, I, know, I know your product when we, we saw it at, um, in Vegas, but it, it's really not a thing in the, in the UK and not something that I had ever come across until I, until I saw your product. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we we get some questions from the UK, but they all say, but we have to have this non-return valve installed by law and so we've actually made an international version that has that but it does better in australia actually than in the yeah. uk like you were saying yeah. it's a really growing market so but not like the u.s it's just a different yeah the US is, yeah i think it's because of the universality of the, the plumbing fixtures for one thing maybe, maybe. yeah yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's great that you're doing so much wonderful education out there. I wish we could just clone you and bring you here to help out with everything in the U.S. I feel guilty. Like, we have to, um, as a whole, we have to get more. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know who's doing what, but we have to get on Well, the, the problem is that the, the disposable companies are just so big and their lobbyists are so strong that it's right. like, what would a small business like yeah. ours or the diaper businesses here, you is, know? Is there a... Like yeah, they have the nappy. Oh, lines. there's a what do we there's have? There's a here? diaper lobby for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, no, I mean on the on the the reusable end. Um, here we yeah. we had we had something, but it kind of fizzled out. They were yeah. the ones that put together um the, the great cloth diaper change and things like that. But 
it's kind of it was locally run yeah. by parents, not by brands. Yeah, and it's so, not a political movement with any force. Like anymore. like I'm hearing what you guys yeah. started out there. It's amazing. It, maybe it would be worth talking <clears throat> to other brands to see yeah. if we can come up with some kind of a diaper alliance like they have. <laughs> right. That's that's great that you guys. Yeah, no, I think I think the thing that we uh, that we've done is is we've been very careful to just define that. Actually, all we're doing is political um, activity. So we appoint a, we actually have a lobbying company. We all pay in, but that's really just to appoint a lobbying company who, who helps direct what we're doing to help develop strategy, to make the contact, to decide who the people are we're meeting with, and to have input. And they sort of run it for us. And then, then uh, obviously, we attend the meetings and, and 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 help help develop strategy. But they do that. And so we've steered away from everything because. I think especially when it's brands, and one of the reasons why it works is we don't do necessarily PR or advertising or activities because I think that that very much sits with the brands. And um, you're crossing a line there, partly where everybody will have a different idea and you'll just spend a whole time talking about what is the best idea. Secondly, that activity really does sit with brands as opposed to to a trade body because I don't know whether the consumer will really understand trade bodies. Consumers nowadays understand brands and therefore all that sort of advertising, PR, all that sort of stuff sits with the brand. And as we all do our own thing on that, that all that does is sort of raise the profile of the industry as a whole. And, and actually the more competitors are out there, the more people who are shouting about it, who are telling the story, who are educating, it then, it then grows the whole category. Well, that, that was very inspiring. Thank you for sharing all of that because I really, I feel motivated to look into this a I little bit too. more for our country. Um, yeah. But uh, we won't take up too much more of your time. We do appreciate you joining us for this interview. We're really excited to share this with our listeners and especially loved, we've said this a lot on our podcast that it's not an all or nothing thing. If you just swap in one reusable diaper for a, a disposable during a day, you'll find that you're going to save a lot and make a big impact, even with just one or two a day. Absolutely. So, um, that right. we're yeah. on the same page with that for sure. Yeah, and this environmental <laughs> movement is is worldwide, and it's going to you know keep picking up steam here. It's just it is frustratingly slow. And it's hard because we are so vast. Yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. There's so many different communities within every state and every city, and yes, it's hard to reach everyone at once. Right. But. But thank you for yeah. this. This was great. We appreciate you taking the time. No problem. No problem. All right. Okay. Well, have a great day out there. Great. Good to talk to you. Me too. All right. Thank, thank you, you. Bye bye. We really appreciate Guy Shanshi from Bambino Mio, all the way over from the UK, for that great interview. And it was really inspiring to me. I don't know about you, but I'm super motivated to be back on the road at the Prego Expo advocating. Yeah, definitely. I think there's so much more to do. I mean, we are definitely behind the curve when it, when it compared to UK. When it comes to policy, yeah. advocating. So anyways, maybe that's another topic for another day. What can we do in the U.S. to make cloth diapers more mainstream politically or governmentally? <laughs> yep. We need a movement. All right. Thank you all. 